Hey, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina. Here we're going to talk about all things OCD. If you've been enjoying this podcast so far, and if you'd like to work together, come check out my monthly membership called Mastering OCD and join a group of other people like yourself. You can go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership. And see you in there. Hi, John, and welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm super excited you're here. And John, you run the center in Baltimore, and you are an OCD and anxiety specialist. Um, And I actually met you at the International OCD Conference last year. So I'm really excited to have you here. Um, And one of the other things is that you do some really awesome memes for OCD that... um, I, I definitely am very excited to always share your um, the ones that you put together because I think they're just really on point and add a little humor and levity to, you know, the the, the issue at hand. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it takes the edge off of me. I don't know what it does for other people, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, so this year um, I decided to finally kind of come out and be open about the fact that I have OCD. So um, in that, I've also been uh, letting people know that, yeah, it takes the edge off a little bit and it's okay to also laugh a little bit because it, it can be so serious and heavy at times. Yes. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on here. Um, so I, I know that you have your book out, um, Mindfulness book for um, Workbook for OCD, and there's a second edition that I got recently. And so, you know, with that and everything that you do, I actually really would love to ask you a couple of questions um related to that so um I think with the second book especially you know a kind of a thing that I hear often is things about mindfulness people will say something like oh well like what I just have to breathe or oh god mindfulness ugh and they kind of have this response so I'm always a fan of trying to demystify it a little bit and help folks understand a little better what does it actually mean um how can you actually apply it when you're triggered um you know, or like maybe you didn't have planned ERP and then something organically happens. How can you actually apply that as a tool or strategy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of common, really unfortunate misconceptions about, about mindfulness in general and the associations that it has with, with meditation, which is, you know, a, a practice. It's not the same thing as mindfulness and, and, and breathing and relaxing and, and all these things. Uh, or this idea that mindfulness is just you know, sitting around watching your thoughts come and go as opposed to um, uh, becoming aware of when you're distracted and then doing something about it. And actually, you know, mindfulness is actually very active. It's interesting though, people say, you know, did I, how do I do mindfulness here? Or how do I, you know, use mindfulness here? And, and mindfulness isn't really a tool, it's a perspective. So the question should be, you know, how can I remember mindfulness here? How, how can I be aware in this moment, right? So, so the central thesis here is that mindfulness is, is being able to pay attention to your experience, which, which just means, you know, what's arising in your consciousness. If you picture your consciousness as like a movie screen, what's on the screen? You have your five senses and your thoughts, right? You have your, th- your thoughts, your feelings, and, and your sensations. Mm-hmm. And can you position yourself as someone who is aware of what's arising without judgment, without this, so oh, I wish this other thing were arising, or I wish this wasn't arising. Mm-hmm. So once you've got that basic concept down, it's, it's easy to understand how there's a difference between, you know, being aware of what's arising and being lost in thought, 
being distracted, right. being, you know, uh, following a narrative, which is what we tend to do with our OCD. We get triggered. We have a thought about the experience. We try to figure it out and rationalize it and ruminate over it and understand it. And what we're missing in, in that is that we've just become distracted, sort of left our bodies to go into this other world uh, where we're trying to make sense of it instead of simply experience it, experiencing it as having uh, shown up on the screen. So to your specific question about, well, what about when you're just minding your own business and OCD comes out from behind a corner and hits you really hard? <laughs> Which, which it can do, right? They're just uh, you see something on yes. TV or somebody says something or you suddenly remember something and you, your heart jumps into your throat. How, how can we remember mindfulness in that situation? Yes. And the answer is really simple, which is you want to try to remember that what's really happened here isn't, you know, you've been triggered, you know, something's happened to you. It's just that in the pages of your book, of your life, a page has turned and you're seeing something on the page that you didn't expect. Okay, and now you're responding to it. Oh, here's what's on this page, right? We, we've all experienced this with the pandemic this year. You know, everything yeah. seemed to be going in a certain direction until mid-March. And then it was like a choose your own adventure book and somebody else was choosing the adventure for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the microcosm of this is that moment where you suddenly become aware of, oh no, I touched that thing, or oh no, I had this, this, this uh, unpleasant thought and I have to do something about it, to be able to say like, okay, how can I show up to this experience? I'm aware of this thought, yes, and I'm aware that there's sensations in my body that I usually associate with danger, like my heart rate going up, or I can't catch my breath, or my muscles have gotten tense, so I'm aware of all of these things. All right, so where am I holding? Where am I resistant to it? Because right? that's going to be where you find all of your compulsions. How do I run from this? How do I get reassurance, or how do I get clean, or how do I prove to myself that this thought's not going to hurt me. And can I just let this experience have happened, right? It's sort of shown up and here I am with it. And it's going to last however long it's going to last. It's, it's impermanent, like all things, like even us, right? We're all impermanent. So again, you're not using mindfulness as in, oh, I'm just going to tell myself these are just thoughts and feelings. You're allowing mindfulness to be there so that you can make a decision. Um, am I going to do exposure to this? And, and kind of get out in front of the OCD that way? Am I going to just pay attention to the urge to ruminate and just really make a conscious choice not to go there and to actually you know, redirect my attention elsewhere? Um, or am I going to just take the hit, which is also a perfectly respectful way of dealing with OCD? You know, if yeah. somebody sucker punches you, if you need to take a second to catch, you know, uh, catch your breath, there's, not, there's no shame in that. But then after you put your hand on your heart and gone, Okay, that was gnarly. Can you then move forward? And so, you know, my yeah, it sounds not, like you're talking there. about awareness, a lot of awareness, uh, and a lot of part of that awareness is almost not almost, but it sounds like also having a little bit of that um, conversation with yourself, like you're saying when you're observing something, and and that you're starting to engage with that by kind of talking yourself through it, essentially, like coaching yourself through it. Like, okay, wait a second, what's going on? Let me let me have another look at this. Hold on. Um, and then from that place, making those decisions of what you want to do so that you can slow it down just a little bit to create a little bit of that buffer space. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But I, I would also emphasize, though, that it's as much about moving forward as it is about staying with the experience. I think too often we think of mindfulness as like when we say sit with the discomfort or sit with the anxiety, 
it doesn't mean sit in the same chair with it or bury yourself in it. It's more like, not to overuse movie references, but like, again, like you're in a movie theater and it's in the seat next to you and you're, you're watching the movie and you're sitting with it. You're like, all right, all right, you can, you can watch this with me here, have some popcorn, right? It's, it's allowing yourself to be with the experience, which is very much about taking the next step forward, not clinging to, oh no, I'm triggered and I need to dwell on being triggered and I don't know what to do about it. It's opening up to the yeah. experience and then making a decision. Exactly right. And I think, I mean, at least what I've seen is, is it, there's times where I think there's been benefit to allow yourself to be present with the sensations just so that you learn even more about that state. Uh, because I think it really helps to differentiate between when is that you're having that OCD flare up and not. So you can really get more, much more clear about it. And other times you're not going to have time to really do that. So you, you are going to be in life situations where you're going to have to keep, keep, keep it moving, especially if you're talking to other people or something's going on and you can't just pause and be with whatever your trigger is. You, you have to keep engaging. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, learning how to do both hands and developing that skill set and that muscle, um, but I think that, that I, I just, I love the way that you explained it because I think that's exactly right. I think most people, when you hear mindfulness, at least that's what I've heard is things like I have to meditate or I have to now do some yoga retreat or something. And it's like, no, not necessarily. It, it's, it's literally cultivating that component of really utilizing your conscious awareness of being in the here and now, literally presence, like present right now. Um, and how do you access that, right? How do you access presence? Like you were saying, well, you have your five senses. So like you can use your, your sight, your this, this, you know, smell. Like what do you taste, touch, hear, um, things like that. And, and that, that kind of stuff can be cultivated without having to have, you know, some big consistent, you know, meditation practice, for example. Yeah, I mean, the value of a meditation practice is that it's literally a practice, right? So we want to develop an instinct for being mindful, right? You want easy recall of, oh yeah, I'm capable of being mindful in this moment. I'm capable of opening up to this page turn and it not being what I was expected, uh, what I expected. Uh, so how do you develop that instinct? Well, one way would be to practice. And what you're practicing when you're meditating is you're saying, I'm gonna pay attention to this. If I notice I'm, a paying, I'm paying attention to something else, I'm gonna go back to paying attention to this, right? That's the instinct. I'm going to stay immersed in the present moment. If I notice that I've wandered off either because I'm daydreaming and, you know, in the middle of a work meeting or mm -hmm. I got triggered and suddenly my OCD thought it was very important for me to figure out whether or not I'm going to stab somebody yeah. that's still just becoming distracted. Can I, oh, look at that. I got distracted. Can I start over? Can I begin again with the anchor? The anchor is your life. And when you're meditating, the anchor is your breath. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautifully said. Um, yeah, and I guess you're right. I mean, not guess, I know you're right, but in terms of exactly when you develop that instinct and that muscle, then you have easier access to it um, over time when triggers come it becomes up. It's a habit. It's like yeah. everything. You have to practice it. You have to just build it and get it into your system. Um, yeah, and it's not about a certain amount of time or, or number of days or anything like that. And some people take to it very quickly and some people don't. And there's nothing wrong with that either. And you can practice it all the time without formal meditation. You can just remember but uh, for many, the meditation is a nice additional component to that. It's about developing that, that muscle that automatically wants to snap back from distractions. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I have a second question, which is one of the things you talk about is sensory motor and hyper-awareness OCD themes. So um, I wanted to ask you, what would be some of those key features for that specific subtype? And what could be like an example that something could do from the ERP standpoint? 
Yeah, the hyper-awareness or, or sensory motor obsessions, they, they're in an interesting way, they're kind of like a like mindfulness's evil cousin, right? You've wandered off and you've become attached to something that you weren't previously aware of. And then it becomes very important for you to stop being aware of it. And then, of course, the more you try to do that, the more you get stuck on it, right? So mindfulness isn't telling yourself, don't think about that or, or don't, have, don't be aware of that. It says, okay, you're aware of that. Now let's go back to the breath. And in, in hyper-awareness obsessions, it's, oh, you're aware of this. What if you never become aware of this? If you don't stop being aware of this, it's going to define your life. And the underlying fear is often something to do with, you know, I had plans to be this kind of person, but instead I was this person who thought about blinking all day, you know, and it just wasn't the person I planned to be. So it becomes this identity threat that becomes more and more important the more you try to detach your attention. Mm-hmm. So when you do exposure to that, I mean, in, in many ways, it's like an, it's a form of existential obsession. It's okay. Well, so what if I was this way, this other way, and now I'm this new way, you know, I've suddenly become aware that breathing is this semi-voluntary thing I can, I, I, I do. Now I'm just constantly aware that I'm breathing when I'm breathing. What if that doesn't stop? Okay. So let me just be this person now. So the exposure is to literally be that person. So you cut out anything that you would normally avoid because of any fears that you might have that it could bring attention to your breath. So that might mean exercising. It would certainly mean meditating uh, and letting that be that experience, however discomforting it might be. Um, and also you want to kind of play, think something can be very effective is, is playing the rumination dance. You know, the, the compulsion that keeps it the most at play besides avoidance is ruminating, trying to figure it out. Am I still thinking about my breathing? Am I going to stop thinking about swallowing? When am I going to stop? Why am I thinking about it? All that stuff is just additional noise that's sending the signal to the brain that this is a problem when in fact it's just something you noticed one day and your just brain hasn't let go of it. If you want to facilitate your brain letting go of it, you have to stop telling your brain that it's very dangerous and needs to be investigated, right? So the rumination dance is something along the lines of giving yourself reasons to ruminate and then practicing not doing that. And so it can be something very simple, like um, having an alert go randomly off on your phone that, that says blink, you know, and it reminds you, oh, this is a thing in my life. And instead of going, oh, no, what do I do? I, I was not thinking about it. And now I'm thinking about it. You go, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about my blinking again. Yeah, okay, that's good. Duly noted. And then back to what you're doing before you got distracted. So practicing skipping over that step of ruminating and getting back to real life. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, as you're saying it, like logically, right, this is the thing that logically this stuff makes sense, like I always tell people, but you know, it's very different to viscerally really get it because when you're yeah. doing it, you know, everything internally is just, it, I mean, it hijacks your system so much that you really temporarily just can't, can't, can't tell the difference between things. And so when things are really intensive, it's really challenging to apply this. Um, but like everything you're saying, I think a lot of it, again, comes with just practicing and not just waiting to practice when things are intense, but practice when it's low or when nothing is happening because it, it's that constant working, working out. I mean, like a workout as you're working that muscle um, to basically be ahead of the curve. So when things are intensive, you can at least remember what that is um, and not yeah. just hypothetically or theoretically, but literally viscerally in your body, you, you can come back and bring that um, experientially. Yeah, it's also really important to let go of self-criticism and self-judgment. I mean, it's true in any obsession, but with with these particular types of obsessions, I notice that there's a lot of 
judgment of like, you know, what's wrong with me? Like, this is so weird. Why am I doing this? And, you know, and, and, and why can't I stop? And it's, it, there's this kind of self-irritation that comes with it that, that really gets in the way. Because again, anything you're doing to send the signal to the brain that paying attention to your breath must be very important is just going to teach it to keep throwing it at you and asking you to investigate it. So can you just temporarily take that risk of saying, um, yeah, okay, so I'll just be a guy who thinks about swallowing all day. All right, here I am swallowing. Okay, here it is. It's fine. And, and, and actually let go of the part that, that's, that's telling yourself you're doing something wrong. You're not doing something wrong. You're showing up to the moment, and the moment just happens to be this thing you didn't expect it to be. Yeah, exactly right. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and for diving into this with me. And I, I really do think that this actually clarifies some things. And I know that whoever's going to hear this is definitely going to appreciate it because it's 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 still fascinating to me how um, it just gets really confused in terms of the application of mindfulness. And even a little bit of what we we're talking about has that element of also acceptance, right? Acceptance of the moment, acceptance of what is, um, but in terms of how to apply it in action. Um so I'd love to let people know how they can find you. So what are some different ways that they can find you? And I'll, of course, include this in the show notes. Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, OCDBaltimore.com uh, is my, my main hub. That's the website for the Center for OCD and Anxiety at Shepherd Pratt. We have all sorts of blogs there, including some blogs on mindfulness and on hyper-awareness obsessions. Um, um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram with the handle OCD Baltimore and Twitter with the handle OCD Baltimore and uh, all my books are up on Amazon. Beautiful. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. It was fun talking to you. Thanks for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD and get topic trainings, please join my membership, Mastering OCD. Go to www.coreresults.com forward slash membership. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash membership.